We are going to have a party. How do I look, huh? How do I look? <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are. Hello and welcome once again to Won't Stay Dead, uh, the podcast that covers the glorious world of cult and horror films. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, the illustrious panel. It's me, uh, Ian Todd, and Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello. Hi, are And Dee, who we've uh, dragged away from watching the World Cup because it's World Cup fever at the moment. So, say hello, Dee. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah... Just uh, at the very start, we'll just run through the uh, contact details and things. If you've kind of stumbled upon us by accident, don't know where to find us, uh, you can get us on SoundCloud. This is soundcloud.com forward slash won't hyphen stay hyphen dead. Uh, we're on iTunes, which is itunes.apple.com forward slash GB forward slash podcast forward slash won't hyphen stay hyphen dead. And we're also on Twitter. It's at won't underscore stay underscore dead. Facebook.com forward slash won't stay dead. And we've also um, got a blog, which is won't stay dead dot wordpress dot com. Cool. So that's that out of the way. Uh, so this week we are um, getting lost uh, out in the backwoods uh, with David Schmuller's um, telekinetic slasher classic from 1979, uh, Terror Strap, which was selected by Paul last week. It was indeed. That's right. Classic film. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I suppose before we start, uh, have you guys been watching anything cool recently? Does the World Cup count? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. You can talk about the World Cup if you'd I'll, like. I'll not talk about the World Cup. I'm trying to World Cup. I don't know what film. Like, I think it has taken over my life. So the last film I saw, I think, was Jimmy's Hall. You know, the Ken Loach film. So the, the new one, like his last film. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, someone said it was going to be his last film. I hope it's not, but I think it is. But yeah, it was very good. It's essentially, if you're a bit of a lefty, you'll just have your feelings reinvigorated. Typical Ken Loach, essentially. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I uh, weirdly stumbled across Lair of the White Worm last night, the Ken Russell version. I've always wanted to watch that. Which is totally nuts. It's, uh, <laughs> it's got Hugh Grant and Peter Capaldi in it. And yeah. uh, that girl, I can't remember her name. But um, it's, yeah, it's fucking crazy. Was it like an Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe thing? Or was... uh, Bram Stoker. Oh, okay. Um, but I thought it looked terrible, and then the more I watched it, the more drawn in. I got a missed the beginning, but um, it's so weird that it's, it probably just has to be good for some, some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I've, I think I watched the trailer, because it was a film that I remembered seeing the video cover of when I was a kid and never got to watch it, and I've always kind of wanted to see it. But um, is it a bit like... Is it kind of a bit... At least in style and style, anyway, is it a bit like American World in London? It's kind of set in the a, a countryside and little, not it is, but not really. It's more like what a Power Rangers or something. It's, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, 
Really Ooh. weird comparison. Yeah. It's what is the white worm? Uh, it's this ancient deity that was picked up by Roman mythology and brought to Britain and then abandoned. And it's uh, I, I missed a bit at the beginning, so I'm not 100 percent sure. But that uh, whenever somebody gets killed by the worm, you get this weird sort of prog rock album cover style thing. <laughs> this like thing that runs through their mind, where this like all these worm snake people are like zapping through space and time and eating them which is why I think it's a bit like Power Rangers <laughs> sounds pretty interesting it's, anyway. yeah, yeah. it's kind of reminded me of um, that film you know, where the silver balls are uh, Phantasm Phantasm yeah, yeah. Uh, reminded me of Phantasm but hmm cool but yeah uh, yeah I, well um it's it's been a while since we kind of did the last podcast, I think. Uh, but yeah, I watched. Um, I got from the the BFI. Got a, sent me a press copy of uh, Werner Herzog's um, Nosferatu. You know oh, his really? his version yeah. with Klaus Kin- Kinski, um, and it is absolutely phenomenally good. Yeah, for um, the, the sea of rats and stuff. Yeah, and just the bit when um, I think it's Harker, isn't it? Um, arrives at Dracula's house, and he's sitting having dinner with him, and he cuts himself. And Dracula kind of goes a bit mental because he, he sees the side of the blood. And then there's this bit where Dracula just kind of stares at him and just kind of starts walking towards him. And all he can do is walk backwards. And he just Kinski's um, Dracula is just so terrifying that just what just the the scene just kind of um, give me like goose pimples. Like properly properly creepy horror um, done really really well. And it's really really foreboding. The the soundtrack is just it's so it's, it's like a dirge or something. It's just it's class. Yeah. And um, I was also writing uh, some stuff for a magazine about um, the uh, Blind Dead saga, <laughs> uh, Amanda de Osorio's Blind Dead saga. Um, have you guys seen any of those? I think you... I watched one with you. Yeah, we watched Ghost Galleon. Yeah, I which remember is that. Pos- vaguely, anyway. It's probably like the worst in the in the series. Oh, okay. Um, Galleons are amazing. <laughs> I remember it being quite slow. Yeah. That was the main thing. I, th- I think the, also the problem was that we were kind of talking over it. It's one of those ones yeah. where you kind of have to just sit and watch it. Otherwise, yeah. it will just be kind of tedious. Um, but have you have you seen it or heard, heard of the Blind Dead uh, stuff? No, I've heard of it. I haven't seen any of it. But um, uh, no, I haven't come across any. Cool. Um, sp- basically, kind of s- Spanish horror films from the um, kind of first half of the 1970s. It was four of them made. And the first one was Tombs of the Blind Dead. And um, the Blind Dead are just basically these uh, kind of skeletons. They're, they're kind of Templar knights from the 13th century. And each film has a different backstory, but essentially they were killed by villagers. And then, like 500 years later, they rise again and, uh, you know, basically attack the town and um, kill everyone. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, it's it's kind of funny. They were, they were kind of made on a, on a low budget, so... The first, the, the second, and the fourth film contain recycled footage of the knights of the blind dead rising from their tombs from the first uh, film. So if you've kind of, if you, if if like I did, you had to watch them all in one week, it gets very boring watching the same yeah. the same footage of them rising. But having said that, the footage itself is phenomenal. It's really creepy and and gothic and uh, really really well done. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend anyone who hasn't seen the blind dead stuff to 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 check it out. Could be a future podcasts yes. yeah I, I, I was kind of thinking of choosing the uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead um, relatively relatively soon 
but um, that was kind of when I was re- reviewing it and was kind of in the in in the mood. So I don't know. Do you want to watch it again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although, maybe, or maybe we should cover one that's fresh in my mind. I don't know, but uh, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, cool. Well, shall we do the the beers? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm very thirsty. Um. So, uh, each episode, obviously, we're picking beers that are in some way related to the uh, film. So, D, you go first. Okay. Uh, mine aren't very good, and I think I went for the same thing Paul did. So, well, I'll leave that till later. Yeah, I got Sierra Nevada stuff. Uh, there's uh, Sierra Nevada Ruthless. It's a rye IPA. Um, just because it's from California where it was filmed, so not really much thinking went into it to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was kind of tough though. I was trying to think of like even names and stuff. But I know. I can, yeah. Me too. I was going Chuck yeah. Connors. Yeah. Uh, I, even, uh, I had a look through the beers for like just you know we craft things and stuff, but just couldn't find anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's another Sierra Nevada. That's the Paleo, which. Paul already has. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this one, what's this? Uh, well, this one I thought dead guy ale, because there's dead people. <laughs> yeah. And it's I think it's also from California. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. And then this one's really crap. I just wanted this, so my link is it's a, a Belgian beer, and it's a strawberry beer, <laughs> but. Bruges, Bruges can be a tourist trap, so that's my. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Not a trap beer, is it? Uh, no, 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 no. Just a strawberry oh. beer. It's it's quite warm outside, so that's my reason for getting strawberry it, beer. It's pretty nice, fully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I also have some Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, um, <clears throat> it's Californian. Uh, I've got a bottle of Fubar Pale Ale. Uh, because uh, some of the uh, people in the film get uh, free bored. <laughs> and uh, yeah, although that's kind of ironic since they are meant to resemble uh, exactly who they are, but they do end up not really resembling, so getting fucked up beyond all the recognition. <laughs> and uh, this is a pretty pretty tenuous one. Uh, <laughs> I got four, uh, four tins of. Uh, Brewdog's Punk IPA, but the, the the small tins that reminded me of the little tins of Dr Pepper that they kept drinking in uh, mm. from the vending machine in uh, Schlossen's house museum. Yeah, was it Dr Pepper? I think it was Dr Pepper vending machine, but it was, I don't know what they Dr. were actually drinking. I think it was beer. Was oh, it? was it beer? Well, this Did is actually this, this is actually something that I, that I wanted to bring up. Um, I. There's definitely a Dr Pepper sign on yeah. on the fridge, but what he gives them is small small tins of beer. Ah, well there we go. This is a small tin of beer. Um, <laughs> and I actually <laughs> bought um, Tourist Trap for this because I didn't own it, and I bought it on Blu-ray, so it was pretty good quality. And I was just like actually um, pa- trying to pause it whenever they were holding the cans of beer in a certain way and going really close to the screen, and I, I just couldn't work out what what the name of the beer was and I didn't recognise it at all um, I think I managed to see different parts of the lettering but it looks like it's something like Hammers Hammers Pale Ale or something like that hmm. and I uh, post on the uh, Tourist Trap entry on IMDB I posted in the forum 
asking does anyone know what the beer is and no one's replied yet so not surprised if, any, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, if anyone's listening and knows what the tourist trap beer is um, let us know um, and we'll track it down and we'll drink it yeah, yeah exactly uh, is that you finished Paul? Uh, that's me that's, uh, that's my lot um, got a few of each yeah, I, 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 I was tempted to, to just get um, uh, a few cans of Dr. Pepper and just mix them with vodka. <laughs> that might be a bit disastrous. So, like like Dee and Paul, I've also got Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, because it's from California, where the film was filmed. And as Paul said, I've got a Trappist Ale, which is like a um, specific type of Belgian um, beer that is made um, by monks, I believe. And it's literally just because I thought tourist trap, trap, trappist, that'll do. I was looking for some actually, and all the big bottles were eight pounds. Uh, yeah, we, in the uh, vineyard. Yeah, they have the shoof, which I don't really like. And, uh, yeah. A few other, I think the big bottles of the rush for. I can't remember where that was. We're just talking about the off license in Belfast that we go to to get all these different beers because it's one of the kind of best off licenses in Belfast, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We've got a new Brooklyn one as well, which is like 12 quid for yeah, a big bottle. Yeah, so I saw that, it looked amazing. Try Brooklyn that the next time. Mm. to begin with, like, but that's, uh, that's probably amazing. I tried it last night. Did a, friend, you? a friend of mine got it and I tasted it. It's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, I'll let Ian continue with yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Go for it. Yeah, I was the same. I uh, couldn't find trappist beer that wasn't massive on eight quid but that did that was like round the round the corner of the shelf somewhere yeah. uh, and then a uh, williams brothers one when we were drinking williams brothers last week this one's called impale ipa oh, yeah. and yeah. because um tanya roberts character uh becky gets impaled what do, would you call that impaled having having a knife thrown into the back of your head mm, no not really uh, close enough <laughs> and also i did think williams brothers uh last night as well because they're brothers uh, Schlossen and oh, well there you go then his weird brother relationship yeah and um, what's this one this this one um, is, is, is quite tenuous but it's also because it's, because it's interesting um, I'm not going to try and pronounce it um, it is from Spain I think uh, Valencia um, Er Boqueron uh, <laughs> no idea Good, beautiful um, but uh, it's made with uh, seawater the, yeah. the the beer, and I kind of thought that um a light Spanish beer that tasted like seawater might remind you of being on holiday, and on holiday, <laughs> w- one encounters often tourist traps. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Are you supposed to drink seawater? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, the, the 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 guy in the shop said, drink don't this, drink, drink this first, and drink it really really cold because after you've finished, you'll really want a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's going to send you mad if you drink seawater, isn't it? Well, we'll see. Maybe not that much. But, uh, mad like uh, Mr. Slauzen? Mad like Mr. Slauzen. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to uh, crack into these beers, so um, we will return after this. Stupid masks. You know. 
because I'm handsome. Your best lead before it gets dark. Right, uh, we're just cracking into the beers here. I um, have to say, actually, that uh, seawater beer, we've just kind of tried it there, and uh, it's okay. It's um, it's not really as salty as I thought it would be, but, no. Paul, you think it's kind of salty? It is, I could get like a wee tiny aftertaste of salt. It's not like, like sticking your face in the sea or anything. So. <laughs> it's, um, it's not refreshing. <laughs> no, not as refreshing as sticking your face in the sea. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, Paul, do you want to kind of say why you chose yeah. Tourist Trap when well, you first saw it? I uh, I came across it on one of those uh, one of those cable channels or one of the digital channels that just pops up like channel four hundred and seventy five pops up for like a night and then disappears called like movies for frights or something spelled with Zs and fours and stuff. <laughs> community uh, movies yeah yeah something <laughs> like that and uh, I think I'd come in from the pub and uh, sitting down and I'm probably going to go to bed and I just flipped this channel by almost by mistake and. Then about two minutes, I was kind of hooked because I thought this looked really schlocky and really crappy, and then it started getting really genuinely quite creepy, and the sound effects were really, really bizarre and really like really unsettling and like um, really piercing and stuff. And uh, by the end, I was just like, "This is this is one of the strangest movies I've ever seen," and it's it wasn't bad. It was just obviously quite low budget and quite schlocky. Yes. But uh, there were some genuinely surreal moments in it, and uh, it seemed like a it seemed like an art school movie. I think it actually was an art school movie, but it seemed like uh, much more um, like Dali influenced than, um, mm. <laughs> than like a, like in Shenandoah or something in parts. But um, but yeah, it uh, it's not your average horror movie. There's some gen genuine uh, genuine inventive chills in it. Yeah, um, I mean, by kind of 1979, the slasher genre wasn't really that old. I mean, I think, ha ha you know, Halloween had only been out for about a year and Friday the 13th was either out or about to come out, but <clears throat> it, it kind of, um, it's a really different style of slasher film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't fall into the normal tropes of uh, slasher, as you say, because they hadn't really been set too solidly by then, but... Mm -hmm. um, I suppose for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, you should you should watch it before listening to this because this will have a lot of spoilers. But it um, just follows some some teens who stumble upon a, an oasis and wax museum in the middle of the, middle of the Californian desert. Yeah, yeah or backwoods, whatever. Yeah. Backwoods, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a forest, obviously. Um, but um, it turns out that they they get stranded there, and strange things start happening with wax dummies in the museum. They start moving by themselves and. Turns out that the owner's brother, so to speak, or as it seems to be his brother, has uh, telekinetic powers, but there's a twist. Yeah, and a pretty cool twist. Mm -hmm. yeah. When you mentioned the slasher thing there, uh, I read an interview with uh, David Schmoller. Is it Schmoller or Schmuller? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like the it's S-C-H-M-O-E-L-L-E-R, and that usually denotes that there should have been an umlaut over the O. 
you know, in the original German name, and you take away the A and put the umlaut over the O, and then it would be Schmuller. Schmuller. But usually, I, I think he, he probably calls himself Schmuller, you know, because, uh, you know. Um, but well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, there, there was an interview with him I was reading earlier. Um, I think someone pointed that out to him that, you know, uh, it's up there with, sla- well, the interviewer was saying it's up there with other slasher films for me, and then the guy, David Schmuller, went, but I don't see it as a slasher film. So he, uh, I can kind of see what he means, like he kind of means, but at the same time, yeah, I, I it is like, <laughs> it's, it sort of follows that sort of theme that's kind of current or well set by all the other sort of slasher films of, well, I'm going to go into spoiler mode now, but there's one bad guy who's after them all, mm-hmm. um, which seems to be sort of a theme constant in that yeah. genre. And he doesn't yeah. literally slash them with his hands or with a knife, but um, yeah. He does the same job as any slasher killer would do. Yeah, well, I suppose if does Texas Chainsaw Massacre counts as a slasher film, yeah. doesn't it? And it's yeah, it does. But the, the interesting thing is that ever you know, Texas Chainsaw is like nineteen seventy four, and the kind of the slasher genre kind of is. You kind of think about Halloween as being the first slasher genre, but you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was before that. Um, but interestingly, you know, because Tourist Trap is, it definitely has a kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre edge to it, and that's mm. because uh, I think partly at least because um, Robert Burns, who was the art director on Texas Chainsaw, is the art director on Tourist Trap. Mm. So that's why it kind of has that... Um, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, <clears throat> aesthetically, Plasterface, the killer from uh, Tourist Trap, resembles a cross between Michael Myers and Leatherface. Um, definitely. Almost a perfect yeah. cross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, particularly Davy at the end kind of really looks like um, Leatherface during the dining scene at the end of Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. Um, because he's got the kind of long curly hair. He's the he's kind of big, and you know, yeah, and the, even the fact that he's called um, Plasterface yeah. is obviously a yeah. note to Leatherface and yeah. Texas Chainsaw. So. Um, and actually, at the begin at the beginning, it's really weird. He's wearing like a. The first time you see him, he's wearing. <laughs> yeah. He looks like Michael Myers uh, with uh, the bottom jaw. Like made into sort of South Park ship, like take it off and yeah. start back on again. It's like the Canadians, kind of, well, the yeah, way they talk yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's wearing uh, like a little boy blonde wig and a like a fishing cap. Yeah, he just looks like yeah. just looks like Michael Myers on holiday, you know, as a child. Exactly, and it it looks utterly ridiculous, but at the same time utterly terrifying. Yeah, and, and yeah. the film manages to do that the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. if you walked in here now, I'd be out the window. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, it's very playful. Uh, so yeah. The first time I've watched it, actually, um, I think I actually really liked it, but I was expecting not to for some reason. But I think it's just because generally, anytime I've seen a slasher film, I just get really disinterested in them for some reason. Like, um, don't shout at me, but I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween. Mm. Um, but, I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween yeah. either, actually. But this I'm quite warm to, and it's the same with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I really like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I think I see similarities in them in terms of they're quite surreal at times as well, whereas you don't get that so much with Halloween, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and especially with, I think, well, we were talking about this before we started the podcast, but with the intro music. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember who it was. It, it might have been Schmuller himself or just the, the studio, but um, I think they were initially annoyed and disappointed with the thing, because, with, the, with the soundtrack, because they actually did want... Um, a kind of more Halloweeny soundtrack. Yeah, oh, I've, got, I've got a note on it. Um, it was the distributors. Okay, it was apparently 
I think the Halloween was uh, it was I think it was released before it, but they were both in post production at the time. Right. Yeah. And the guy who was the distributor had seen both of them without any sound. Yeah. And what he actually said to David uh, Smaller that he thought Terrorist Trap was going to be a bigger film. Mm-hmm. But then once he heard the music, apparently he was incredibly angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the music. The the music is is pretty ridiculous. Um. It, it actually it is it is as you said it's playful and it's, it's funny and it sort of it does work that way, but uh, for mm-hmm. a horror movie it's it's bizarre just like a it's like a, a, a merry-go-round like a, yeah it does kind of start like that but then the kind of the cellos come in and it's kind of like a minor key and it does kind of turn a bit sinister and it goes dun 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 and it's almost kind of like Psycho it's almost like the soundtrack to Psycho I think yeah but I I don't think I think it could almost it could turn it does turn minor but it could almost like turn that playful melody into something very creepy quite easily but I don't think it actually achieves that by introducing any sort of minor key I think it just just sort of slightly bends it into something a bit more zany but not yeah. actually creepy well as we were kind of setting up you were saying that you don't you yeah do, you, I don't, don't, you don't actually <laughs> like the song I don't track. really like it I'd, maybe, I'd probably like it again if I saw it again hmm. but um, it, I, I totally forgot about the soundtrack but um, the the incidental music seemed is, is, is better but yeah um, the, the incidental music's weird as well though yeah there's it's, that kind of what were you going to say? Like, it's sort of, um, I think it's, it reminds me of films, like, I've watched with, uh, you before, Ian, like, uh, oh, what do you call that one? It's with the Nazis at the bottom of the lake, the zombie Nazis. Oh. Zombies Lake. It was a Jess Frank, Jess Franco film. Um, the, I think the music in that is quite similar at times, like, uh, the bit in Terrorist Trap anyway, where they go skinny dipping. I think just before they get into the water, it's kind of that sort of almost 70s porn music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, where I think Zombie Lake kind of has elements of music like that, doesn't it? Uh, if it's a Jess Franco, it's years since I saw it, but if it's a Jess Franco film, then yeah, I would say it probably yeah. has quite um, cheesy. It's the sort of music you'd yeah. pick, uh, like to make a parody of, like you know, seventies porn anyway. Yeah, yeah. it's National yeah. Lampoon's basically. Yeah, so, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's is that um, what do you call it? That uh, <clears throat> theme park in National Lampoon's vacation. But I think it works though. I, it, I think the music in general, uh, especially the intro music and the whole way through, seems to fit the like aesthetic of the film. Yeah. Because you were kind of saying about like how it sort of it, <laughs> it looks really eerie, but it's also like it's very familiar stuff like dolls and mannequins and things like that. Mm. Yeah. But at the same time, there's an under like underlying like sinister element to the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Whereas uh, I think there was a point. Mark Cremona don't usually agree with him, but he was sort of slagging off modern horror films that they're all very grim and dark and very serious, whereas older horror films have surreal elements mm. that somehow make them more creepy. Yeah, yeah, and it works a bit better, I think, with you know, sort of a bit of almost comedy thrown into them. Yeah, yeah. whereas this seems to have that not in abundance, but it's there. It brings back a sort of a sort of echo of like childhood fears, you know, those kind of. Um, if you ever had nightmares as a kid and you couldn't put your finger on what was creepy about them, but yeah, things were just not right. Yeah, and yeah. nightmares. That's the kind of. Uh, I suppose I me, mean, you, you do get that in um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Franklin, you know the the, the uh, Sally's brother who's in a wheelchair. Yeah, you know he's he's quite a comical character. Um, not not, yeah. not because he's in a wheelchair, obviously, but because he's a he's a big baby, and you know when he kind of. <laughs> Remember this, the, this yeah. the, the 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 scene where they kind of go off and leave him, and he starts doing kind of blowing raspberries and stuff, and it's yeah. it's absolutely hilarious. And then obviously in 
in uh, slasher films, you do always have, always have that kind of the, the prankster and the joker. You know, he's the one who kind of means that later on when the real killer turns up, they can they can not be scared of him because they think it's the you know, yeah. the the practical joker. So the, yeah, I never thought of that. Like there are kind of elements of humor in in these old horror films, and maybe, maybe that's not. Not so much the case in kind of mainstream horror uh, these days. I, I don't see it in main, oh, any sort of recent horror film I've seen. The like modern one, I haven't really seen it. It's more about trying to get as many jumps into yeah, the yeah, shot exactly. as possible. Well, I mean, the uh, kind of Piranha 3D. Remember when that came out a few uh, years ago? Yeah, I didn't go to see it, to be honest. I mean, it was, it was kind of... It was kind of it was kind of funny. There were elements. There's a bit where one of the guys has his um, um, cock bitten off. And because it's kind of 3D, they kind of obviously trying to gross the audience out, but like the cock's just f- severed and floating in in the uh, in the ocean, and it's obviously in 3D and it's massive. And then this piranha comes along and eats it, and then disappears, and then you're kind of going oh, okay. And then the piranha comes back in and burps out the ah, the half-eaten cock, and it's floating around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's kind of done, you know, in it, you know, in a kind of funny way, in a kind of humorous way. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's. It's not the same as Tourist Trap, where it's kind of the 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 humor is almost part of the part of the horror. I suppose uh, to bring it around, kind of in a circle as well. Um, talking about the music, um, what was the name of the composer? Uh, you got it written down there. Yeah, P- uh, Pino. I'm assuming it's Pino because it's like Pinot Noir, and that actually would have been another good one. We, we could have uh, been yeah. we could have been drinking Pinot Noir or Pinot Grigio. Uh, but yeah, his name is uh, Pino Donaggio, and he did. Um, these are old notes, but I'm trusting them. He did the soundtrack for Carrie, Don't Look Now, Dario Argento's Trauma, the Dario Argento um, Two Evil Eyes um, compilation, and Filchi's Black Cat, and Piranha and the Howling. I was going to say, because he yeah. happened to be in town for Piranha, which like Piranha 3D. Yeah. It's a nice coincidence. But um, yeah, that's how they got him, I think. And then the director said he could speak Spanish at the time and was able to sort of talk to him and convince him to... Yeah come and do the music for class but then I think like Paul mentioned this before we started recording as well uh, how I think they spent was it one sixth of the budget for his was, yeah. fees which is pretty insane yeah <laughs> yeah well I know the, the same it was the same, kind of the same for Chuck Connors um, all the rest of the, the kind of the, the, the kids were kind of from an, like a, a an agency sheet um, when um, Schmuller was kind of um Picking who was going to play, you know, uh, uh, Becky and Eileen and all, and um, Molly. Uh, so there was kind of you can kind of say right, this is our budget, and they send you a sheet of all their kind of uh, actors. Um, but they had fifty thousand dollars, I think, to spend. So they said, who are your fifty thousand dollar actors? And um, uh, one of the people who they were thinking of was can't remember his name, but he plays the gunslinger in City Slickers. You know the, that Billy Crystal film. Oh yeah. Oh, kind of, yeah. No, what's his name? That's gonna annoy me. Uh-oh. Yeah. We'll have to look it up, but obviously they yeah. they chose Chuck Connors. And so that was kind of they kind of blew a, a load of money just kind of getting him because I mean, I think we're not really in kind of UK and Ireland we're not really as familiar, but supposedly he was a bit of a kind of a bit of a Western legend. He was a baseball player as well, wasn't he? That's what it was, yeah. Baseball player and then he went into kind of Western oh, movies, yeah. didn't he? He actually, I think he's so. a brilliant choice as well because he yeah. uh, he's really charming and really. Uh, uh, the 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 point of Schlossen is that he needs to be able to put people at their at their ease, you know, and he's very good at charming the kids and the charming the audience as well and disarming. Just and disarming, yeah, exactly, yeah. 
literally yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Times, but he, um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was money well spent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He reminded me of. Um, I just wonder if he was based on him at all. Um, do you know the big Lebowski cowboy? Yeah. Just the way he got on. I, I, well, it was at the start, not so much towards the end. But yeah. uh, after he'd kind of befriended them, there was a few things he was coming out with that, like uh-huh. the mannerisms and stuff, were very similar, like making wee aphorisms about life and things like yeah. that. And I suppose that I mean that's just the the wise old cowboy is a yeah. famous. It's kind of a common American trope, isn't it, in film? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, but I do I do definitely know what you mean. Um, kind of talking about you know his wife and everything, and that's kind of a, the the story of his wife. Kind of it unravels as the as the yeah. film goes because. What does he initially say? He initially says he, he initially says she died, and then I think later on he kind of says cancer, she died of cancer. Yeah, but it's quite clear he, she died in his arms <laughs> as well. Yeah, which, um, he says as an afterthought, which was a, maybe a little bit of a giveaway as to what happened. Yeah, um, and he also mentions that his brother died. Yeah, that's right. Or he's, no, he says his brother ran off to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, to, 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 to make mannequins. Man. Yeah, or was it Hollywood or California <laughs> anyway, or somewhere like. Uh, Think of that Maybe stage I'd be going, I don't know. Does that happen? It's not really any head hunting for a mannequin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Story's a little spurious, mate. <laughs> we should just go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I use the phone? Oh, it doesn't work. Oh. Shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what did you make of the start of the film, actually? Like, Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I, uh, really like I I thought actually this is going to turn into um this is going to turn into every single slasher. The first time I saw it, I thought this is going to turn into every single slasher I've ever seen, where the girls get naked, the one who doesn't take her top off gets killed. But actually, they, they there was no no nudity in it, um, and although they did have a little bit of the the kind of the couple of wild girls and the very prudent one, yeah, it didn't really play in that too much. It, um, no, um, Molly to begin with was very prudent, but uh, seemed like seemed like you know. Miss Daisy, you know, had her, yeah. her hat on and uh, seemed very pale and, and didn't want to do anything. But, um, yeah, the other girls weren't... It, yeah, it wasn't a morality story, really. They weren't killed yeah. because they, they were wild and sexy and drunk. Yeah, and no, they, no one has sex. No. Mm-hmm. But apparently, yeah. I think Schmuller, the skinny dipping scene, he had it initially intended for there to be a bit of nudity in it. Yeah, yeah. and they disagreed at, yeah. at the last minute. Or he didn't, he didn't ask them about it until the last minute and they all said no, so he just gave up on it. Yeah, he was too embarrassed to ask them, and he left it in the very last minute. Yeah, the Molly character was strange. Uh, like the the way it started, anyway. Uh, I think it's just before they go skinny dipping after the car breaks down, and they find this lake, and then one of them goes, "Oh, we'll take her clothes off." Um, she's dressed in like all white, and the rest of them aren't wearing very much. Yeah. But she, <laughs> so she's clearly supposed to be well, what you would interpret it as, anyway. She's like a picture of innocence and yeah. isn't sure about all this, but it cuts straight away to just them all. With yeah. Clothes yeah, yeah. So it instantly dismisses. It was, I guess it's kind of like, well, it's a good thing as well. It's well, it's kind of obviously it's kind of a misogynistic scene, but like it's, it kind of cuts through a stereotype. It presents a stereotype and then breaks it straight away. Yeah, yeah. Even kind of yeah. I have to say, whenever I think when I first saw it, I thought uh, Becky was going to be the final girl. Oh, um, she the kind of cookie one. Um, Becky is the one who is probably wearing least. Tanya Roberts. Um, Tanya Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's got the kind of uh, blue, I think it is, kind yeah. of boob tube, and then hot pants. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I don't know why, because I know obviously that's you know when it's like Halloween is the classic one, and 
Friday the 13th, the kind of, you know, vir- you know virginal innocent person is supposed to be the final girl, but it's not always the case. No. And it, and it is often the, the the character with the boyfriend that will become the final girl. Um, so I, I I was sure it was going to be um, Tanya, but it wasn't. Yeah, I think she, she was a very strong character and she was a very strong actress as well, um, which is maybe why it did seem that way. She, um, I don't even know if she had more dialogue than the rest. Um, she possibly did, but... Um, I yeah I don't think um, yeah I was I was sort of surprised as well the first time I thought yeah she will be the the survivor yeah she um, seems like the leader like the the most popular yeah so, and um, the strongest sort yeah. of uh, <coughs> physically and you know bravest as well yeah. but <coughs> maybe well, quite stupid as well at some well I suppose maybe, they're all yeah, stupid reckless, yeah because yeah. um, the bit or uh, she like decides to go off and look for the other woman. And decides to climb in the top floor of yeah, the stranger's house. Yeah, yeah, that is that's great. It's, it's it's classer. It's classer. It's <laughs> it's classic sla- slasher logic, isn't it? Because they hear someone laughing, so they go, "That must be Eileen. She she must have found Woody. They must be having sex. They must be in that room that the windows open. So therefore, we'll go and scare them." And you just no one, no one else, <laughs> no one would do that. Nobody in real life. Would and then that. Molly, Molly's kind of standing there going, "Please don't. I'm scared." I'm 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 gonna leave if you do that, which is obviously a threat. And then whenever Tanya or Becky does kind of climb up, she kind of realizes right she's actually doing this, so she does wander off. Mm. But like if you're if if you're so scared, what like why doesn't Molly just go right? Well, I'll I'll, I'll just wait until she does the prank, and I'll just wait here, mm-hmm. keep her in my sight, and then once once she's done the prank, yeah. we can all be together. Or if there isn't anyone there at least the two of us will still be together rather than just wandering off and yeah. like th- they immediately <laughs> split up don't they so that's the that's that old first rule of writing is make your characters do stuff they, yeah, they don't really want to do yeah. to keep the plot going but there's a lot yeah. there's a lot of weird bits in it though like where you question their logic like uh, <laughs> when, <laughs> when they come across Slauson for the first time they're obviously quite creeped out because they're yeah. skinny dipping and he sits there with a big grin in his face. And a gun. And a gun. <laughs> um, and then kind of wanders off after a while and then they return to their car which they find is broken, still broken down and then he offers to help, brings them to his wax museum um, <clears throat> and then says, oh, I'm going to go get my tools and then we'll go and fix the car. You girls stay behind and I'll bring, uh, what do you call the boyfriend? Jerry. Jerry. I'll bring Jerry and then obviously returns without Jerry and says, ah, oh, yeah, he just went into town yeah, like, yeah. then don't ask him anything like, nobody goes uh, so what did he say yeah what he was going in wait, was he going in to get something or yeah. that doesn't Jerry wouldn't get that what are you, what are you talking about and, 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 and in fact the uh, whole the whole premise of the film the, the, the whole film results from an from an illogical decision because um, Woody and Eileen obviously are, are a, they're all the whole gang is on this road trip Woody and Eileen are obviously travelling together in the, in the camper van because they are a couple. So they break down and even though they know that the rest of them are, aren't are too far behind, Woody decides to walk to the nearest gas station. Yeah, <laughs> wait, tire. wait for the others to get there, flag them down, drive to the nearest gas station and then drive back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they kind yeah. of just forget about him. Yeah. Like it's just, um, yeah. You know, because you can imagine... Eileen and Woody breaking down, and then Woody goes right. Rather than waiting for them, I'll just walk and hope there's a gas station. Yeah, Woody is, is sort of just forgotten about it anyway. He, uh, which, sad. His 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 death was the one of the weirdest, um, definitely one of the weirdest and most tense I've 
come across in a long time. Yeah. It really, really scared me when I first saw it. He's trying to get out a, a, a locked door. Um, he punches a hole in it with uh, some sort of, I don't know, an iron bar or something. And puts his hand around and something grabs his arm and then all these dummies are popping out of wardrobes, screaming at him and stuff. And, yeah. Uh, uh, then the wardrobe across the room starts shaking by itself and it gets, starts shaking more violently and things start flying out of the wardrobe and like smashing all around his head. Bottles are smashing glass going everywhere and then he can see a knife started to rattle and uh, he's shitting himself yeah because <laughs> he knows what's going to happen yeah. and a metal bar then eventually gets him through the spine I suppose it impales him actually so it's yeah, yeah there so you go yeah, yeah. somebody <laughs> gets impaled thank god I know thanks Woody I think that's what drew me into the film like, yeah well that and you have the, the music at the start which I still really like <laughs> and then like that because I was expecting another drawn out like slasher built building up characters that don't exist and then some fella running about chopping them down but it starts off straight away like you get into it straight away someone's yeah. killed <laughs> um, but um, I, I found out I was actually in that same interview that, uh, with David Schmuller that asked him why he started it off so like abruptly in a way and he said it was because the market they were kind of, well the, not that they were really going for a market but the only way to get your film published in those days was to have a strong opening start because most uh places that would pick it up would be drive-through sort of cinemas yeah. and the people that would show the films would always look at the first say 10 minutes and if it didn't catch them in the first 10 minutes they'd just toss it aside and go mm. for the next one so he said that was his main sort of drive behind doing that like so. oh, okay that's yeah. interesting yeah. it is it, it is a great opening scene and in terms of kind of opening death scenes i would kind of rate it with like suspiria yeah um mm. But the the actual way they filmed uh, the scene is interesting. Did you guys kind of read, in, read yeah. into that? Yeah. Um, the um, cupboard is kind of... Uh, there's lots of bottles and things flying out. But the, the way they actually filmed was... That was um, Robert Burns and the art director and David Schmuller. They uh, kind of attached the wardrobe to... Um, they kind of had the, the, the wardrobe raised. And um, they were... Uh, how can like, I explain this? Yeah, like they had it on the ceiling, and there was a hole through the ceiling, and Schmuller and Burns were just basically throwing um, the bottles and stuff through. So it's it's just gravity that's making it do. Yeah. And but the camera's on its side, so it looks like it's flying yeah. out sideways. And in one of the interviews I watched, he said um, it took them two days to film the whole scene, and if they'd been doing it with wires, it would have taken twenty days. Right. So it's um, <laughs> Schmuller kind of points out that Burns was a great. Um, uh, art person to have on a low budget film because he was fantastic at doing things and getting things for either no money or for very little money and he kind of came up with all those all those different ideas um, and the uh, scene really really works as, as um, you know like it's it's just it's it's classic kind of camera trickery you know I don't know perhaps nowadays they would just put it in in post production you know with, with CGI all the stuff flying out mm. um, but it works really really well yeah it's very violent yeah. and, like the, the, the way the bottles smash around it's very violent and, uh, yeah you can you can hear the you know the glass clinking on the floor and stuff and it's uh, yeah yeah it works very well I wonder actually the glass smashes beside him and then falls to the ground I yeah wonder how they did that well if yeah. if you kind of watch it by knowing it they'll or like when when you kind of know that that's what they're doing um it'll 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 show the the stuff flying out of the uh, uh, wardrobe but then whenever it's filming Woody and the stuff hitting him you can tell you can tell it's just being chucked yeah, because it, it kind of comes from the bottom and, okay, yeah, and yeah. goes up you yeah. know um 
so there's obviously inconsistency there. But when you're yeah. when you're when you're like when you're wrapped up in it, um, you don't really notice. And yeah. particularly those unbelievably frightening dummies with that horrendous <laughs> yeah. cackling. Yeah, bald witch with a tiny head. Yeah, and, uh, I mean that 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 scared yeah. the absolute crap out of me when I first watched it. Yeah, so it, it reminded me of uh, the Evil Dead. Like they yeah, must have been yeah. influenced by that, like the way that with that opening scenes filmed anyway, because you know the wardrobe doors yeah. going in and out and everything's shaking up and down, and especially that dummy that comes in laughing because there's a particular scene. I think it's an Evil Dead too, actually, where like Ash is obviously overcome with all the stuff and he sees is it the moose head and everything starts yeah. laughing yeah. and cackling yeah. and all the doors are flapping shit like that's, open and closed. That's a, an amazing scene. Like, yeah. But that must uh, be influenced. It by must that. be. Yeah, it was where everything in the room starts to come alive and starts yeah. to um, try to kill you. Well, that's that's what that's, I got um, from it. Yeah. Um, that guy uh, Charlie Burns or whatever. Um, he was mentioned as well uh, in that interview. Um, I think you mean the art director Robert Burns or sorry, Robert Burns yeah. is he called um, well, there's, there, there's a guy called Charlie Burns as well I think <laughs> he was talking about um, or sorry Charles Band sorry that's his name there's <laughs> a guy called Charles Band I think he helped write the script right uh, he's not the art director uh, he, he's the guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff Rob Burns yeah, or Bob Burns yeah Yeah, it's a guy called Charlie uh, Charlie Band you call him um, yeah I've got it down here Bob Burns is the makeup guy or well special effects guy but Charles Band suggested like the telekinesis stuff that originally okay. wasn't in the, the, the like sort of original storyline. Ah, uh, right. So oh. it was just going to be a, a guy dressing people up and making them into dummies. And Pretty much, yeah. Uh, mm. right. He suggested throw that in mm. or whatever. Because it's it's not really dwelt upon in the dialogue or anything. Mm. Um, I think he mentions that he that he can do it, but he doesn't give it a name. It's not like you know it's yeah. called The Shining or anything like that. And the characters. Do the characters even ever find out that he can do that? Because they, once they do, the he does say, um, "My brother hates when I do this." Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. I think they probably caught on that something weird is going on when all this shit starts moving around. And yeah, I suppose. <laughs> there are bits where doors lock and they lock from the inside, and the people are on the inside, and it's just a bolt going across. But they don't even try the bolt; they just hammer the door. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it's. <laughs> Sort of, it's, yeah. to me, it's a potential weakness, but also the main strength of the bad guy, if that makes any sense. Not that it's his potential weakness, but a potential flaw in the film. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it just seems to come from nowhere, the telekinesis. It's not yeah. never explained. Or like, no, yeah. yeah. There's no, no history, really, at all. It's, yeah. uh, but, like, with having this ability, it kind of ties the film together, so it's based, yeah. it's like the tortoise, you know, the world on the tortoise, but what's underneath the tortoise? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange film. There's uh, the the one time that he does actually make somebody successfully into um, a dummy, um, do waxwork, or you, you see it happen. It is pretty disturbing. He uh, he starts coating her face in um, yeah, in, like plaster, yeah. and then he says as it dries, it starts to burn. Um, so uh, I'm going to cover your your mouth first and it's going to be the last last breath you're going to take I'm going to yeah. cover your nose and then he covers your eyes and he says uh, but before you suffocate your heart will explode through terror and yeah. he, he watches it happen and it sort of counts down until it happens and, uh, yeah. that, and you can see it happen and it's, uh, that's pretty disturbing That's uh, it's not your average slasher movie death and it's much more disturbing than any of the um, telekinesis deaths mm-hmm. um, 
Without a doubt. Throwing shit through people's necks and stuff. I know, and uh, there's a bit where he, 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 when he covers up her eyes, he says, like, you'll never see again, and then he's like, um, your world is dark. Yeah. And that's really, really creepy. That is. That's, think, that's actually horrible. <laughs> do you think he talked too much, though? Because that bit was really creepy, but then I think there's some other bits where he tried to have conversations. Yeah. I like those bits. Yeah. Honestly, I think it takes away from it a wee bit. Like, uh, I think more. When, the, when the killer does talk a lot... It does, yeah, it does definitely take away from it. There's a bit where he, he comes in and he's trying to give him a drink and he sort of keeps living yeah, this weird, like, like yeah, all sort of time. cockney. Yeah, kind of why thing. don't you like me? Yeah, that's, that's what he's doing. It's like, it's like in later um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street films where Freddy starts getting all attitude and yeah. he goes in like, welcome to primetime bitch, which actually is, is brilliant. Yeah, welcome um, to primetime bitch. Uh, other thing, you know where he starts, starts getting all sassy and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's not... Uh, it's not funny. It's not. Um, it's not big and it's not gross. <laughs> it's not big and it's not clever. <laughs> but there, I mean, I don't know because I, I think it's, I think it's very, very funny that the uh, stuff that that he says, um, the bit where he kind of says, um, he makes me wear these stupid masks. You know why? Because I'm handsome. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, uh, he doesn't like his wife to see me. And he kind of sings. He goes, he thinks she'll be attracted to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's I love it. It's so so good. It seems very like I don't know. It's like very ad hoc acting or something. He's just yeah. done it on the spot. And, uh. Well, that's actually an interesting thing because I was going to ask you guys, but I thought I might be best saving it for this. On IMDb, Chuck Connors is listed as playing Mr. Slauson, right? Uh-huh. And as listed as playing Davy is Shalar Kobe. Yeah, that's his. Uh, I found this out as well. Yeah, do you know already? No, it's his son, but. Yeah. He said he based this on oh, a Hitchcock idea. Yeah, because uh, yeah, two sons, yeah. Sheila and Kobe. Yeah, yeah. But basically, uh, I think he said he was influenced by the Hitchcock idea of Psycho, um, where they held auditions to play the mother, so as not to give the story away. Yeah, or uh, you know the whole plot. Cool. Like so, basically, nobody would know anything about it and think she's an actual character. Right. Whereas he said he had the same sort of idea, so he stuck it in the credits. Yeah. Okay, so. Sheila Kobe does have his own IMDb page as well, but the only film is Tourist Drop. Okay, so D- Davey is just played by Chuck Connors? Just played by Chuck yeah. Connors, okay. yeah. And, uh, Apparently it was... Ch- Chuck, um, Chuck gives gives himself a limp when he's playing um, Schlossman, um, so it doesn't give away... Or so people think it could be the same guy because he's got a limp, but he doesn't. Yeah, um, apparently that was his... That was yeah. Connors' idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that was, that's what you were going to say about the ad hoc acting, and I, I ruined it. But, no, no. But yeah, I only, only occurred to me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, okay, that, that, that's cool, because just when I was looking at it, I was just thinking, and, and now that you've said that, I do actually remember re- reading that somewhere, but I was just thinking, but Chuck Connors plays Davy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. But, yeah, but it, it, it's kind of weird that um, that he's been given the name Plasterface, because he's, he's clearly called Davy in the film. Yeah, yeah I think it was, uh, it was just the crew who called him Plasterface. Ah, uh, okay. Because, uh, yeah. because I suppose... Yeah, Leatherface is a... Texas Chainsaw had only been out four or five years by that stage, yeah, so it was yeah. kind of, yeah, big film. Uh, apparently there was, like, a bit of falling... Well, like, not, like, fight or anything, but there was a bit of a falling out between uh, Chuck Connors and... What did you call the actress that plays Molly? Jocelyn Jones. Jocelyn yeah. Jones. Um, because apparently she comes from, like, a, an actor's background. Her family are, like, actors. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Connors is this sort of... He like, came out of baseball and just went into acting, just sort of did did acting. He didn't taught yeah. himself kind of thing, essentially. Yeah. And apparently on set, uh, she, like Molly's, uh, well, the character, the actress that plays Molly, used to put in like all the like 
do all these breathing exercises before she did a scene that went on for ages and had this like way of like sitting in a chair or something to prepare her for the scene and apparently uh, Chuck Connors just didn't have any patience for any of this <laughs> so yeah. the director had to step in every so often tell him to calm down <laughs> <laughs> yeah I heard another anecdote about that um um, I think because Schmuller had only just kind of come out of university and he, uh, I think this was maybe his first feature film, um, so he he didn't really know how to kind of talk to actors or deal with actors, so um, uh, he, she was kind of waiting there about to shoot and I think he gave her a line read, um, which I'm assuming means he read out the line that she was supposed to say and apparently she kind of snapped at him and said, don't give me line readings or something like that, you know, apparently that was a bad thing to do, but... Schmiller didn't know at the time. He he says he didn't even know what a line reading was. Yeah. Whenever she said that, so she seems to have kind of um, uh, kind of showed them all how to do it. And it was actually uh, the the final scene. Um, Schmiller said, um, kind of told her that you know that there's going to be this shot of you coming around the bend, and you're in a car, and the the, the script apparently said um, she has a crazy face uh, or a crazy expression or something. And uh, Jocelyn Jones said, "What? What do you mean? Like, you know, you, you have to give me more than that." And he he didn't really know how to explain. He just said, "You just have to give me a crazy face." He said, right, "Okay, just leave it for now, and I'll go away and think about it." And she came back and said, "Right, I've decided that you're absolutely no no use. So I've had to have had to come up with this myself. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pretend that I'm an eight year old girl driving to my friend's birthday party, and that's <laughs> and that's the expression that I will do." Yeah, it is a cool expression. Um, she does look pretty pretty actually unhinged like um, mm. as she's driving with her her, her wax dummy friends in the back yeah. of the car because like. she totally loses it at the very end after, yeah. after yeah, she's it's... killed Slauson she completely yeah. breaks down which you see happen in like um, Texas Chainsaw 3 is that the one Dennis Hopper um, yeah um, I think it is yeah, yeah. It is. yeah I think the, the girl does the same she goes totally nuts and starts getting the, the chainsaw and stands up on top of like a roller coaster or something and starts Waving the chainsaw around, and yeah, madly and stuff. Um, it, it actually happens at the uh, at the end of the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre after Sally manages to get in that truck and get away, um, as Leatherface is doing his kind of final dance in the sunset okay, with yeah. the chainsaw. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's she's pissing herself, laughing in the back That's of the right, thing. Yeah, she just so she's obviously going mental. So there's probably actually quite a lot of kind of things yeah, that th- kind of tie over from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and I wonder is it because of your man Robert Burns? Maybe. Robert, Robert Burns, yeah. Yeah. I just realised he's called Robert Burns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that must be a mistake. Yeah. You seem to verify it with your notes yeah. there. So. Well, I think like you talked about his influences uh, smaller. Um, who was he talking about? Uh, what do you call him? Is it uh, Jarowski or Jarowski? Ale- Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah, he said that he's one of his main influences, and that kind of comes across, I guess. Like, cool. I mean, I've never, I've never watched any of his films in their totality, but I've seen like clips and things. Mm-hmm. I always keep meaning to watch stuff like El Topo, but just never get around to it. But uh, from what I've seen, some very surreal moments. Yeah, kind of comes across. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Jodorowsky's stuff is just utterly insane to the point where you you're not sure what's going on. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Bit of tourist trap could almost fall fall into that. But, yeah. Uh, um, but in, 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 interestingly, the guy, uh, Robert Burns, who did the um, uh, makeup, uh, he killed himself. Oh, yeah. Uh, he committed suicide. And the the way they found out was um, apparently he'd been kind of writing to Schmuller for a while and kind of sending him different kind of funny letters and things. 
So when this letter arrived one day, he knew who it was, and he opened it up, and it was his suicide note. He basically sent oh. all his friends a suicide note, and then killed himself. That's pretty heavy. I know. Yeah. That's really, really sad. Yeah. Did he work on many other things after uh, Terrorist Trap? Or? I don't know. I'm not sure. Hmm. But yeah. yeah. It's kind of sad to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um. But your man, Schmaller, like, from any time, like, I, I read two interviews with him, and obviously there, were, there weren't video interviews, there were just text. Mm-hmm. But he comes across as quite a humble person, like, because apparently he, uh, I think he, t- he teaches some course on film as well, so you'd expect him to be the sort of person who knows absolutely everything. Yeah. But uh, I think the interviewer at one stage asks him, was he ever influenced by Bava? And says, have you ever seen uh, these particular films? And names a couple of films. And rather than just going, oh yeah, of course I've seen those. He goes, no, I've never seen those before, but I'm, I'm gonna look those up now that you've mentioned yeah. them. Cool. Which is quite, it's kind of refreshing to hear. Cause yeah, it is cool. Yeah, honestly, yeah. but because yeah. he did, he did go to, he went to University of Texas and studied and film studies. Um, so he's obviously he's a film studies graduate, and then I think his his thesis was a, a film called Let's Look at My Notes. Something with a spider. Uh, spider will kill you, which was about. Um, a blind guy who lives above uh, a theatre um, and who has all these mannequins that he kind of talks to and pretends they're real. Um, so um, his kind of thesis film actually then became Tourist Trap. Um, so it's surprising that he didn't know Bava, but there you go, I suppose not everyone's perfect. All he cares about is that foolish museum of his. Mm, I hate him. One day I'm going to get rid of him. He should let me go to the city. I could work for the Wax Museum. Oh, how much I hate him. He makes me wear these stupid masks. You know why? You know why? Because I'm handsome. I'm better looking than he is. He doesn't like his wife to see me. He's afraid she'll be attracted to me. But uh, perhaps um, his kind of lack, well, not lack, but the, perhaps the, the fact that he wasn't aware of kind of Bava, you know, maybe he wasn't really influenced by kind of classical horror, so um, maybe that's why it's so different. Maybe that's why Tourist Travel is such a different film. I mean, for, for starters, the, the villain... Um, isn't 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 kind of your average, you know, masked killer out for revenge. You know, he's not he's not kind of uh, he's not like a kind of Dario Argento, um, you know, Giallo kind of villain. He kind of he's a bit weird, really, isn't he? And yeah. you, you don't you don't really know his identity and and the mask yeah. and, and and the voice and the and the you know the the ambiguity to to his to his story line. Yeah. You don't really understand his motivation. I think no. a lot of the time <laughs> there doesn't seem to be goal in this I mean like yeah Leatherface is killing people for food Jason mm-hmm. Voorhees is killing people out of vengeance and Freddy's killing people out of Cause he needs souls. vengeance mm-hmm. and needs souls and weird weird mishmash of shit like but what is uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know who it, I well, don't sort of got like from Leatherface I always thought it was more about protection maybe I, I, yeah, I think it's like, I think in Chainsaw it's he's scared 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Because like, all these people keep coming into his yeah. house and he doesn't understand why. So he just yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It's he's yeah. protecting his family. Yeah, you know, that's the way he's being raised. After he's killed like the second person, he kind of sits down and he just starts shaking his head because he's, yeah, he's scared true. basically. Mm. But yeah, but but there isn't anything yeah. <laughs> other than well, no. obviously the fact that Slauson is Davy, like they're the same person. Yeah. So basically, his wife ran off, or his wife was having an affair with his brother, so he killed them both and went mental, and then his his place got shut down because uh, the government built a new highway. So, I suppose trauma and cabin fever, I suppose, are what, what yeah, caused him to kill, but he, so he doesn't you know. It's possibly he's just lonely, so he's making more more dummies. Actually, you know? that's it. Yeah, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, that's it. Yeah, make more dummies and trying to keep alive what he had mm. in in an ironic way by yeah. killing them because he's done that with his wife yeah mm-hmm. yeah. but th- does he want to make Molly into one though like I didn't really understand I don't know because he, he only makes a couple of them into him he kills yeah, the rest yeah. or maybe he does make the rest of them oh no he does because when Molly tried away there she's got them all in the back all made up as dummies that's a really weird scene actually in particular the first girl that he kills makes her into a dummy there's a really bizarre scene later where he brings her soup and yeah, yeah. And tries to fit and like she has this bizarre voice as well yeah at that stage but I don't know if that's in his head well yeah or... because there is an, there is also a scene where whenever Molly kind of um, is she passes out and then she wakes up on the table and there's a, a mannequin there that comes alive mm-hmm. and it feeds her water and then she kind of looks around and then looks back and it's a mannequin again is it a mannequin? I thought that was him for some reason, no. Yeah, well, uh, the the actor is um, Sh- uh, Schmuller's wife, and apparently, uh, oh, okay. apparently she had two lines, and Schmuller cut them in post production. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, she never forgave him for cutting her lines. Oh. But yeah, That's she right, yeah. she wakes up, and there's a woman beside her who gives her water, hmm. and then she drinks the water, and then she kind of looks back, and the the person who gave her water is now just a dummy. Um, oh. I don't know. And then there's the weird thing where Jerry comes back at the end, and you think, oh, Jerry's still alive, cool. But then he he just um, slows and just leans leaves forward and snaps off his arm and you realise he's a mannequin as well. So yeah, what, what I didn't understand about that particular scene as well, uh, in reference to the previous scene of uh, bringing the woman soup, was that she uh, seemed to like partake in the fantasy of, you know, her her character wasn't the original character that walked in, she'd become a new character. Eileen, I- do you mean yeah, she like she was? joking around with him and saying well I can't remember what was she saying about the soup like I wanted you didn't give me a spoon or something it's something about crackers I think she didn't have any crackers and then her head falls off when he goes I've got to fix that I've got to fix that that's what I didn't get about Jerry scene later on when it turns out that he's a mannequin because he's he's out to get him yeah whereas he hasn't I I, I thought maybe he was setting it up to torture Molly like psychologically torture Molly Um, he'd, he'd made it Seem as if she was about to be rescued. Yeah. And then, uh, and then she wasn't even just toying with her. But, uh, yeah. I, I think that is the case because um, she runs over to Jerry and says, "Kill him!" And then Slauson just starts laughing and says, "He can't kill me." And then, but uh, and then Jerry kind of looks shocked actually though. So yeah, he's kind of like, "Oh my god, I am a mannequin." Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really strange. No. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is happening at the end whenever Molly? drives down the road with all her friends where's she going and what's she thinking what's she doing I don't know I don't know maybe it is just like she's cracked up at that stage and 
Yeah, they're, they're gonna, gonna go on whatever holiday they were going on anyway, and yeah. she's just gonna hang out with her mannequin buddies. Post traumatic stress. I yeah, guess, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there the potential to have Molly return as the killer in the sequel? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'd love to know if that was his idea or someone sort of whispered in his ear and put that in at the end. Did we get a sequel out of this? Yeah, well, the the really annoying thing is that on the Blu-ray DVD, the the documentary that I watched, he addresses the ending and he says that he went on an internet forum and there was like 50 different... Someone had asked, what's the ending about? And there were 50 different responses and none of them were right. And so you're kind of watching the documentary going, brilliant, we're going to find out what the ending means. Yeah. But then all he does is tell that anecdote that I said earlier on about <laughs> Jocelyn Jones saying she was going to pretend she was to be an eight-year-old girl going to a party. So once he's, once he's finished the anecdote, you think, yeah, but you, yeah, but you haven't told us... Yeah. You haven't actually told us what, what it was yeah. about. All you've told us is what the mm-hmm. a- actor did, so maybe we'll never know what, what the ending is. Mm. But maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. It'd only be disappointing <laughs> if there if there hadn't been a, a sequel to Halloween and it had just ended, yeah, with Michael Myers's body disappearing at the end and Donald Pleasant's going, I shot him six times. <laughs> <laughs> then you know that might be a more powerful film than it probably would have yeah. been. I don't think we really gained anything from the the whole Halloween the rest of the franchise. Certainly not three. <laughs> no. That's two episodes now. You've slagged off episode three. three. Yeah, yeah, I did it last time. Season of the Witch. Oh, it's a stinker. I haven't seen them. Don't. I think I've only seen Friday the Thirteenth sequels. Never seen Halloween sequels. The I much prefer Friday the Thirteenth sequels. Um, I have a real soft spot for Friday anyway. Um, it's really in the same vein as Tourist Trap. It's nowhere near as uh, as creepy as Tourist Trap. Tourist Trap does, but Friday tries to do a lot better. But uh, but Friday's still very good. Yeah, if there's kind of you know four big slasher film franchises: Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Texas Chainsaw, and Friday the Thirteenth. Um, Friday the Thirteenth is without a doubt my favorite. I could watch. Yeah. I could watch. Friday. I I would rather watch the Friday the Thirteenth series than the Star Wars trilogy. Definitely, any day. Yeah. And actually, all of those, all of the above mentioned, I would rather watch them than Star Wars. <laughs> I don't really like pick, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the, the best one out of all of them. It's, I, it's probably actually the best. No, I think it probably definitely is actually the best, but um, I still think I prefer watching Friday. In, in terms of franchises? Yeah, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's something to do with the setting or something. Yeah. Uh, There's just something about it. Yeah. I hate yeah. franchises. I hate that word. Yeah, it's just money spinner to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it kind of comes across like that. And some of the later ones are like they don't even try like Jason <laughs> Jason X is abysmal it's uh, mm. he goes into space and <laughs> one funny bit where he's in a uh, he's in a what do you call those rooms a hologram holograph room or yeah uh, and he uh, holodeck and um, two girls come up to him uh, at camp and say uh, says we're we're gonna have sex and drink we're gonna drink smoke weed and have premarital sex yeah we just love drinking smoking weed and have premarital sex and then it cuts away to something else and it cuts back to Jason the holodeck and he's got one of the girls wrapped in a sleeping bag and he's beating beating the other girl with the girl in the sleeping bag <laughs> around a tree like. yeah well, and, it's like a trap they've used isn't it yeah yeah exactly yeah and he's he's in his element he just loves it so <laughs> he sits and does that all day because he's, he's nuts but, um, in, in terms of deaths like um <laughs> Because you've touched on the subject, now. like, what did you think of the deaths in uh, Terrorist Trap? 
Yeah. Well, the the Woody death of obviously we've we've talked about, but I think the the the, the pool going in his back and then the blood dripping down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cl- that's a really nice, really nice touch. Good touch, yeah. yeah. Um, how does Eileen die? Do we don't we, do we see her die? See the one. She she's the kind of one who goes off into the house to see Davy and. She gets, here. She not get strangled. Yeah, with the scarf. Yeah, because yeah. she, oh, she yeah, takes yeah, a yeah, scarf of off a mannequin. Yeah. yeah. And then they've obviously yeah. like starched the scarf because you see it like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like wide on her neck. <clears throat> and it's supposed to be telekinesis, I think, strangling on her. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's actually right, quite yeah. creepy, uh, quite a creepy scene. Because I remember like she's forced into a chair because like, the door closes and then I think he appears. Um, yeah. He's in that oh, kind of God, creepy mannequin mask. And then it's just the very sudden jaunty movements with his face. Because you're still not sure what's going on at that stage. But, uh, yeah. She gets strangled. Yeah. And then turned into a mannequin. Yeah. And then Becky, kind of, she gets kind of shot at by the like, General Custer and the Native yeah. the Native American. And then eventually gets a knife in the back of the neck. What's yeah. an axe? Is it not? A tomahawk? Sorry. Yes, yeah, the, knife, right, yeah. the knife misses her, I think, maybe. And then yeah. the axe gets her. And actually, even though she has been shot at and it looks like she's about to die, you don't really expect that. It, it gets it like the way it's, it's done. It happens quite, quite abruptly. You know? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though it's building up to it, you think she's about to get away again, but mm-hmm. she doesn't. Um, and when uh, Schleusen himself dies, it's uh, it's quite brutal. He gets a, like a, an axe into the corner <laughs> of the neck. His neck. And, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it looks it looks pretty realistic. It looks pretty horrifying. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. um, got a PG thirteen. Yeah. When it yeah. came out as well. Well, like your man was saying as well that apparently that killed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was the reason it didn't. Well, it, I don't think he was trying to talk it up and saying it's the best film ever, but saying that the reason it wasn't more successful was because of that. Like no one wants to go see a horror film that's it's, it's PG. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But then he kind of goes on to say that, but as a result, it meant that it it could play on a Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. so you'd have a lot of kind of kids. You know, if they were kind of nagging their mum. And this is kind of what he says if you have a lot of kids and, and they're kind of nagging their mum and their mum says go and watch TV then they're kind of going in and you know maybe flicking about three cartoons and suddenly they come to Tourist Trap yeah. and they watch it and he says you know like there's like quite a lot of fans um, in America anyway who meet him at conventions or whatever they'll, they'll say to him you know I first saw Tourist Trap when I was like seven years old or something and it <laughs> yeah. scared the absolute hell out of me <laughs> but it's, it is because you kind of think I mean th- there isn't really there isn't really any that much gore or blood, but no. but there isn't really any gore or blood in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, true. Everything happens off screen. There isn't really, there isn't there's famously there isn't really a, a drop of blood spilt. Yeah, I in think Texas it's Chainsaw more Massacre. Of the suggestions, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah and I remember the most brutal bit for me in Texas Chainsaw Massacre was getting. I think it was the hammer scene. Yeah. Like, or is it a meat cleaver? When he hits him over the head, yeah, it's it's really it just comes across as really visceral. And yeah, I don't think you actually see it, as you say. Yeah, but you hear it. Yeah, and then they get hung on a meat hook. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's and then he brutal. slams that door across, and the way he slams the door yeah. across is oh, it's is brutal, isn't it? And then, then yeah, <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that um. It only got a, P, uh, a PG thirteen rating. I mean, the uh, the uh, current BB, BBFC rating is fifteen. Yeah. For, for tourist traps, so yeah. You know, if the, if the BBFC in two thousand and eight or whenever gave it a fifteen, then why did the MPAA in nineteen seventy nine give it a PG? Yeah. Do you think it's got? Um, it does have the the sort of cult following. It, you would imagine, it deserves. I mean, like Stephen King is a big fan. Yeah. Um, he I think he wrote about it in Das Macabre, and he. Um, 
said it was one of his favourite horror movies ever. But uh, do you think it? I don't really know much else about it. I, it, I only that I stumbled across it by accident that night. Um, I still don't think I ever would have heard of it. You know, and I read about it in a couple of couple of books about about trash horror or something. But it is uh, like something he'd come up with, isn't it? Though, yeah, like, that's probably why he likes it. Yeah, it is. Thing. It is. Yeah, you know, the telekinesis, but like Tommy yeah. Knockers or something. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um. Yeah, I know. It's because when you kind of get into horror films, you know, it's a bit like getting into English literature. You kind of come across Wordsworth and Shakespeare. For when you get into horror films, you come across, first of all, Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and things like that. Um, mm. And yeah, Tourist Trap isn't it isn't really. It's not part of the kind of the horror canon, if you want to kind of say it. it it's not kind of considered up there with. No, with kind of the more mainstream stuff, but it is. I mean, it's. I mean, like I wonder, like I wonder what, what it might have become had it become another horror franchise. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know if. I don't know if there, there was enough in there. I don't know if it was sort of. Tropish enough, or if it was sort of simple enough to make it into a, a sort of franchise, because it's. There are a lot of elements at work that, work well within it, but I don't think they could be repeated again. Could, I mean, could, could you have, like Friday the Thirteenth, had Plasterface in New York or Plasterface so, in space? Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, Plasterface <laughs> in space. <laughs> but uh, I don't think it would work because I mean, with Jason, it's a simple character. He's bent on revenge. He gets up and he stabs people or he ties people to trees and beats the shit out of them or you know, collapses their heads. Freddy haunts your dreams and he can get you anywhere. He's a knife fingers. Plasterface. I don't know if uh, he's you. got a complex history. He's got a wax museum. He sort of has to have his wax dummies around him. Doesn't have to have them to kill him, but and you can kill him as well. It's just you can kill him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's not. He is supernatural, but he's he's not immortal. Uh, and he, yeah, like it, it's it's not as if he uses a knife or anything. Like he doesn't. No, he doesn't really. No, he puts plaster on people's faces. He just wants. Yeah, he just wants to turn people into into. Mannequins, basically. Yeah. So you can have sip with them. Mm. Yeah. But there is a scene whenever, whenever um, Becky and J- Jerry are tied up, uh, and Jerry eventually manages to kind of bite through his ropes. Yeah. And uh, through through his hand ties, he kind of then attacks um, uh, Davy or Plasterface, and there's a there's a scene where Plasterface kind of grabs him. He's on the ground, grabs him by the neck, and just lifts him up with one hand. Mm all the way up the wall and um, it cuts to kind of Becky and she's looking with absolute horror because it's you know this guy is absolutely massive and he's really strong we're definitely not getting away and and that was the that was kind of one of the main moments for me where it does kind of cross into that um, Michael Myers you know supernatural you know yeah. more than human type territory okay. I thought it killed him at that stage I thought like that's a good time to dispense of this character yeah I think so yeah, it's like you know, you just I thought he actually strangled him because it cuts away. Oh, Jerry, you mean? Yeah, Jar- sorry, oh, yeah. Jerry. Yeah, because yeah. um, he's lifted him up and he's got him against the wall, um, sort of displaying superhuman strength. Yeah, and then later on, you find out he's just tied him up again. Just tied him up again. Yeah. Well, he hasn't tied him up. He's put him in handcuffs. Uh, yeah. But then yeah. the weird thing is, like, does he get a knife or something? He's like a nail file or something. Is it? Um, and he's somehow yeah. able to get through these handcuffs in quite yeah. quick time. Strange. Yeah, because he's going, he's going for the key. The yeah. key falls, but then Davy notices it, and that's right. Yeah, and starts moving with his <laughs> yeah. mouth, just teasing him, and then explains, yeah, why. Well, yeah. he doesn't explain why he's got it, but he explains that he has it. Yeah, and do you know why I have this mask? And then he does the whole, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It is weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yes. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about in terms of uh, um, tourist trap? I was actually kind of interested. Actually, no, I just just noticed my notes. Um, the um, J. Larry Carroll, um, who uh, helped write the screenplay, I think, with Schmuller. He actually um, is, is credited with lo writing lo loads of um, episodes of um, TV cartoon series. Oh, yeah. okay. And his his kind of portfolio is he, he's written you know one or two or all episodes of the following shows: He Man and the Masters of the Universe, Ghostbusters, Dennis the Menace, the uh, American version, I'm assuming, uh, <laughs> She-Ra, Princess of Power, Brave Star. Do you remember that one about the the, uh, the yeah. Texan yeah. Ranger? Yeah. yeah. Thundercats, Super Mario Brothers, Super Show, Teenage <laughs> Mutant Ninja Turtles, GI Joe, Feeble's American Tales, and he also wrote a few episodes of Diagnosis Murder. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I know so is there a kind of cartoonish element to Tourist Trap do you think yeah uh, well uh, oh, I, I, especially with that um, that theme that theme tune I think yeah. it's, uh, it makes it very cartoonish but um, yeah there is it's it's that whole again that whole sort of childhood surrealist um, surrealism thing that adds to its, its creepiness adds to its horror it's uh Puts you, puts you in a comfort zone and then shakes with it. Yeah. It's not a comfort zone, but it puts you somewhere that should be fun and should be should be enjoyable and then it turns on you. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why the MPAA gave it a PG rating because yeah. because of the opening music and the humour and... They just didn't watch the rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, PG. Next. Uh, well, like that, it's strange as well to me that it has such a harrowing opening scene. Yeah, and I gave it that rating, especially yeah. that bit with the, the pipe going through his back and the blood dripping. Yeah, out. there's blood there, and yeah. you hear it like the, that sound effect as well, where it, like sort of drizzles on the ground. And Aye. but um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. But the but the main guy, the Slauson uh, character, is very surreal and like cartoony. Like the, there's a bit as well where he's playing with dolls. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Bizarre. Uh, have a tea party and there is yeah. parents, dummies of his parents are in the background and they're played by his real parents as well. <laughs> um, just to add to the, the weirdness of it. Yeah. But it um, yeah, that is that's I think one of the the great scenes in it. It's it's quite fleeting, but it it yeah it's really really disconfident like. Yeah. Actually, kind of reminded me of you know that scene in The Shining where um the um the original not the what do you call him <laughs> which guy uh the director of The Shining the Kubrick, Kubrick Shining Kubrick, yeah. um most famous director of all time in <laughs> <laughs> Kubrick Shining um where um Shelley Duvall's running up the stairs and uh she stops and looks into a room and there's a a bear, a guy in a bear mask, and a man sitting in the bed. And yeah, or it's like a rabbit mask or something. Something, yeah, yeah. it's really, really. And he's creepy. giving the guy a blowjob. Yeah, and he looks up and he looks at the camera, and it's that's the most chilling scene in that whole movie. It is. It's the most chilling because you're just you're just like, what, what the hell this is that? Really, yeah, really twisted sort of childhood, yeah. kind of sort of childhood memory, not a childhood yeah. memory, personal childhood memory, but like somebody's childhood memory turned really evil you're right actually yeah it's it's nowhere near as scary as say all the blood gushing out of the mm. elevator in The Shining that that one bit is proper goosebump yeah, yeah. I still like the typewriter bit where she comes across yeah, yeah yeah that's just that's a uh, road into his mind yeah at that point in time <laughs> that's a brilliant movie as well yeah and a brilliant book totally different 
Close movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any, I don't think I've seen a movie adaptation of the book that actually worked. You know, even though they had that that sort of mini series that was very true to the book, hmm. maybe they had a couple, but they never really worked. But um, yeah, Kubrick's film is obviously quite different. Um, it does Tourist Trap does have um, a lot more in common with slasher slasher film as we as we know it today. Um, even if it did sort of predate most of the the genre. Yeah. Um, it does have the classic chase through the woods kind of scene. <laughs> yeah. Which. Um, if you know, if any slasher doesn't isn't set in the woods, it sort of manages to <coughs> find something similar to ch- chase through. But yeah, um, it's um, it does yeah, it's got a, quite a quite a few scenes like that. Um, yeah, it's like work work well. It you know, sort of sets the, the tone for. Is, yeah, is there a reason why that became a particular theme? What like the the whole chase of the woods the sort of it well, must be like a an yeah. elemental fear of the woods yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of like rural setting yeah you know? yeah well the final girl is obviously a classic slasher concept yeah she always um, gets chased always gets chased at the end through the woods and um, usually I mean Friday the 13th part 2 I mean the chase scene just goes on for ages um, yeah. and it's kind of the same in this and then that's kind of been like even like another kind of similarity to Texas Chainsaw Massacre when Molly's kind of running through the woods away from Davy and then Mr. Slauzen pulls up and she assumes Mr. Slauzen is a nice guy and will help her and gets into the car and then once she's in the car then she realises oh shit actually he's he's Mr. Slauzen's brother I'm not happy with this I want to get out and that's like you know um, after um, Sally Hardesty outruns Leatherface she gets picked up by a guy who is seemingly friendly and going to take her to the yeah. police but ends up being yeah. Leatherface's cousin yeah. And then takes her back to the house, and you know, and that's the sure. you know. The sound slightly pretentious about it is it's sort of like the idea of being scared of the foreigner, like the the uncivilized, you know, that kind of yeah classic <laughs> idea. That's yeah, like, true. Like yeah. an allusion to it in a way. Yeah. Like, um, is that the or yeah maybe not the other the, the foreigner, but yeah. yeah, the other yeah. yeah sorry, uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's sort of yeah, like I don't yeah, mean yeah. to say that they are the foreigner, but they, that that is the classic yeah. other like, exactly. You know. Yeah, um, it's being scared of. The pre, yeah, pre civilization kind of uh, yeah. Culture, yeah, yeah, which I think yeah. um, which I I think like like kind of a lot of these um, uh, film horror films that were kind of made in the late seventies um are kind of kind of post sixties Vietnam angst yeah. I think a lot of it's kind of dis- distrust in America and kind of mid sixties and then onwards specifically in the seventies is when kind of horror horror stops being about um, aliens and vampires from Eastern Europe, and you know space monsters and lizards, and it becomes serial killers like mm-hmm. y- yeah. your own, yeah, human uh, like white Americans killing other white Americans, um, and uh, so that's that's perhaps where the, where that whole thing about yeah, you know kind true. of yeah, it almost though with that um, your fear of the other sort of theory as well, it it sort of becomes a lot more. Conservative. That's a quite a conservative yeah, yeah. idea. Yeah. You know, it's uh, progress is good. Falling back. Um, yeah. Pre-progress is bad. Not pre-progress. It's an idiotic term. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. But uh, yeah, progress <laughs> oh. is good and uh, elemental uh, pre-industrial societies. But hold, holding on to any sort of ideology always sees itself as like it's a progression. Like that. That's just the sort of general outlook of it. Like any, yeah. Yeah. any threat against it their sort of ideology is a threat against progression. Mm-hmm. It's like the way 
I kind of see it anyway. Yeah. Um, so, like, even if you're, like, I don't know, to, to take, like, slasher films, for example, the fact that females are always the sort of the main victim and it's always seen as, like, taking their innocence. Mm. But, you know, that kind yeah. of classic ideal, which is True. obviously horrible. Yeah. With that, and that's the thing about it, which is particularly horrible. Like, you know, this, the other characters going after them, they're essentially taking our women. Yeah. Kind of thing. That kind of idea sort that's, of sneaks in, I think, sometimes. That's sort of... It, it sort of riffs off that sort of propaganda style, um, like horror. That uh, you know, your women are being threatened. You're, you know, you're yeah. Look out for your women. You know, it's you know your women are vulnerable and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And sort of that uh, that it's quite a, quite a horrible misogynistic. And it obviously is misogynistic. Mm. Uh, but um, and it's also um almost like a warning to to young girls yeah. um and but you can kind of see that that's that's in many ways where scary stories originate from yeah. you know mm. norwegian or or german folk stories that say there is there there's this thing in the woods so if you're a young girl you better not stray too far from home so yeah uh, otherwise this thing will get you and it's kind of a way of kind of you know getting kids not you know to to behave specifically yeah. young girls it's that whole yeah actually like my friend of mine um from yorkshire pointed out recently that uh during the uh <laughs> during the whole Throw that in there. <laughs> no, the whole yorkshire river no, uh <laughs> no, yorkshire river scare when peter Sutcliffe was at large and uh uh he was killing women they uh announced a uh um a curfew for for young women yeah like eight mm-hmm. o'clock and uh some woman the only woman counselor said well actually why don't you instead of saying any woman's a victim a potential victim why don't you turn around and say any man is a potential killer so mm-hmm. have a curfew for men uh after eight o'clock and let the women go out so they the women will be safe and yeah. just got totally laughed down just nobody nobody paid attention to it at all yeah uh and that um <clears throat> yeah same same idea like the the women are always the most vulnerable they're always the ones being chased through the woods um, and it's always almost always in slashers it's almost something it's always a morality thing they, the ones who get naked or do have sex the ones who um, mm-hmm. who mess around get get killed in the most brutal way and they get killed in order of their you know um, yeah of what they've done yeah, you know? it's... Uh, the guys get killed as well but it's usually more girls but this time actually I was sort of glad to see that it wasn't a morality thing it wasn't that the girls were you know they didn't no, get naked and yeah. they didn't misbehave well, anymore than the guys they kind of get naked they do kind of get naked you, you don't see anything yeah. uh, it's uh, that's it's maybe mm. uh, it maybe is a little bit of that morality thing but it's mm. yeah. um, it's not like they're they're misbehaving teens they're just trying to get somewhere and something unfortunate happens to them I think it's also worth remembering that um, uh, I've kind of heard, heard this from a few sources, and one of them is Justin Kurzweil, who does the uh, Hysteria Lives um, podcast. Uh, he wrote a, uh, a book about the slasher film, and he has kind of a st- statistic that um, actually I think substantially more more men die in slasher films than women. Oh, yeah. The, the, the kill count is higher for men, but it, it, only, it only doesn't seem that way because the... Because of the way in which women are killed, you know, particularly yeah. like Dario Argento films, you know, it's mm. it can be very, very sexualized the way they're kind of killed. You know, they make sure they expose the breasts or the hand goes down towards the vagina, or you yeah. know, whereas men will just get their throat slit. Yeah, 
It doesn't really surprise me though. Like it's the way women are portrayed in slasher films. I think more so than how they're killed or yeah. the quant or the qual- uh, quantity of how they're killed or when they're killed. Um, because like, women are that sort of, I don't know. They're the main subject of it for some reason, for whatever reason. That's my like memory of watching mm-hmm. slasher films. Yeah, it films. is. It's like a it's a warning to women. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like so, you may say like men are seen as like kind of, I don't know, almost like red shirts in Star Trek. Yeah, fodder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Compared to the women, like the the women will be the main sort of I don't know subject for some reason, of of torture, like yeah, like more so than death. <laughs> but then to be fair, you know, um, Friday Thirteenth, for example, in lots of Dario Argento films, the women ends up being the, you know the killer. Yeah, or you know, in this uh, um, you could sleep, read into that. Away camp, the, you could read into that though a lot as well. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. almost like a. Well, supposedly Dario Argento was kind of raised by his aunt and who abused him or something, so that's why. Mm. That's generally the, the reading into his films why he um, appears to hate women so much. But um, yeah, when you consider like Sleepaway Camp, um, the killer ends up being a 13 year old girl. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I was trying to like brush up on sort of like what's seen as like classic slasher films earlier and stuff and um, sort of what doesn't fall. With, with the category and like what comes like uh, or what uh, defined like to be out of the category and stuff but like I remember uh, reading like uh, remember the film I Spit in Your Grave oh, yeah. that doesn't fall within the slasher category mm-hmm. but it also made me think why does that have its own separate genre yeah, yeah. revenge yeah rip, rip revenge why is that a genre film <laughs> yeah because it essentially is a slasher film, well, the, the latter half of it anyway, because once once the her absolutely fucking horrendous rape scenes have passed, it's then her stalking and killing men in a yeah. variety of different inventive ways. I suppose it happens from her perspective, the perspective of the, the person seeking vengeance rather than the victims. Ah, <clears throat> yep. Maybe that's it. That's a good yeah. point. <clears throat> if the Friday movies... Actually, some of the remakes of the Friday movies did sort of follow Jason around to an extent you sort of yeah. saw Jason a little bit more candidly but uh, but uh, if yeah if like Friday movies or the Freddy movies followed the killers run would yeah. then it be revenge kind of, I don't know and that's a good point and if you look at, I mean Last House on the Left kind of it kind of follows both parties and then they join together and then the killers end up getting killed by the original victim's parents yeah, yeah. I don't know that's pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is um, it the remake of it? Actually, it I haven't seen no. the remake. Actually, I didn't think it was completely horrible. Like it was, uh, it was still yeah. pretty brutal. But well, Last House is, is nowhere near as bad as I Spit in Your Grave. Oh no, no, it's, it's, it's one nowhere near. I don't think I could ever watch that film again. No. Irreversible is a weird take on the revenge. Yeah, I have oh, Jesus Christ. It's I've heard about it, but I can say it. Yeah, again, I've, I've heard about it, but. Brutal, like every part of that's brutal. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever watched I Spit in Your Grave um, in, in real time the whole way through. I, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, gen- I generally fast forward or you know, yeah. through the rape scenes. I saw it after Irreversible <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is... It's all sped up. Yeah, <laughs> this is nowhere near as bad as, as Irreversible is. It's, oh, it's, but see, the, 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 the interesting thing is that um, I, 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 I Spit in Your Grave is still not available uncut in the UK. The, B, oh, yeah. the BBFC... Well, the, like, I can only BBFC imagine. still haven't, still haven't passed it. What are the cutscenes? Like? 
Um, it is anything which appears to because the, the BBC BBFC has really really strict guidelines. Uh, it's anything which appears to linger on or um, show rape from a positive point of view. So. If there's if there's a scene where the rapist is laughing and enjoying the rape, you know they won't want to dwell on that too much. Mm. That's okay. Um, well, okay. That, um, that's kind of what rapists do. Like. Yeah, but it's anything which is kind of enticing the viewer to right, okay, yeah. to to be titillated by right, okay. by rape. Well, that's, um, um, but the is that possible. <laughs> well, I think it's just if 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 the rape appear if, if the rape scene appears to be kind of over overly sexualizing. So, um, the uh, their, their initial decision. If you read the notes, they kind of say the um, the rape scenes focus too much on the fact that Jennifer is young and beautiful wow. and, and naked. It's 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 kind of it's it's making her. That's like it's a very. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's not putting rape as something absolutely horrendous as it is. Well, it's, it's kind of like that's a very sort of uh, it's looking at it from a very male perspective. That's in terms of well, be- the beauty aspect. Yeah, but that's why they're doing it. Well, yeah, yeah, because they're saying any any man who already has tendencies where they think that might be a good thing, watching that film might well, then be yeah, yeah. encouraged to do it. Because, like, I was gonna say, like, if you take something like, say, American History X, like, you're not gonna get someone going, like, I don't know, Edward Norton has lovely cheekbones or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah. become a Nazi. <laughs> 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 uh, but, uh, but I suppose that kind of makes sense in. I've never seen it, but like, was it Straw Dogs that got? Uh, it was banned as well, yeah, but because yeah. of that, like, it was seen to be the first uh, well rape scene where someone enjoyed it or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Or it was portrayed Fuck. that way. Yeah. So I think it was banned in that respect, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense with the BBFC. Yeah, it does. Logic, yeah. I guess. Mm. But the the problem is that with *Spit in Your Grave* is if it's um, because it was kind of prosecuted under obscenity laws. Uh, uh, the BBFC then then has to give it a wide berth because um, because because it's it's legally it it has legally once been designated as obscene material under the Obscene Publications Act, so yeah. that 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 kind of doesn't work in its favour. So the two kind of I spit new grave remakes I think have been passed uncut, but the original Mirzaki version isn't, and I think it's basically for that reason. And mm. Cannibal Holocaust had problems for for similar reasons. Yeah, obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> But now we're, now we're talking about video nasties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> um, Cannibal Holocaust is uh, uh, probably just worth mentioning anyway. If, yeah. Has everybody seen it? I've uh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's brutal. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's probably the most uncomfortable movie I've ever watched. Yeah. So. And it's it's still not uncut. No. 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 I, I still think I spit in your grave is the uh, most uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I wonder will we will we ever cover I spit in your grave? I don't want to watch that again. Yeah, I, I, I just don't want to watch yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah, like and like, what would you say about it? I mean, because like yeah, if it's... you're watching Return of the Living Dead, they live, or Tourist Trap, you can have a bit of a laugh about it. But you can't sit here and no. try and joke about and drink beers and talk about fucking yeah. I spit in your grave. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, 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 what, like what we've just covered anyway kind of sums it up anyway. So I don't think we need to. There are no beers that you can match with me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Jesus. I wasn't trying to come up with beers before I spit in your grave. <laughs> I got unconsensual ale. <laughs> <laughs> Vengeance IPA. Uh, no, let's not. Let's agree now. <laughs> we probably yeah. should never do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, Terrorist Trap, anything else anyone wants to comment on or say about 
I don't think I, so. I think at this point we usually kind of say we, we, we usually give our own kind of mini review don't we yeah, so Paul uh, go for it well it was my choice um, to use it to use Tourist Trap this week and I am very glad I gave it a second watch I'm very glad I bought it and uh, yeah I think uh, I, I, I do really enjoy it I think it's uh, better than your average slasher movie it's uh, more twisted more um, more eerie and more um surreal than most uh, most movies of yeah most movies you would watch that happen in a, in backwards America you know um, I think it was handled very well some odd plot twists that maybe maybe could have been tied up narratively speaking it was a little bit a little bit runny or something but um, yeah I very very much enjoyed it um, I will watch it again and I think it's yeah, it should get more recognition than it it already has. I think uh, people should should seek out Tourist Trap and give it a, a very fair fair crack. Cool. D. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess never having seen it before. Um, I I'd never even heard of it before actually. So it was. Uh, I don't think I would have unless you guys had had have mentioned it. Uh, as I said earlier. I'd, think I went into it expecting for some reason not to enjoy it because I had it in my head it was just sort of standard slasher film but it's anything but um, like especially with the, the start music which is obviously quite strange and um, Paul's not a fan of <laughs> but it, I, I genuinely it's it's quite playful and enjoyable but uh, and then that opening scene as well yeah it's sort of phenomenal I think that kind of sucks you into it straight away um, the, the the rest of the film like it's it's not like one of the best films I've ever seen, but it's just enjoyable. Um, even though we don't understand the motivation of the the main bad guy in it, it's still kind of fun. So yeah, to have to give it a rating or anything. <laughs> well, you can if you want. Uh, like I don't know, six out of ten. I suppose, in the, which means it's 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 grand. Like, okay. <laughs> give it a rating out of seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, for. Ten and a half. <laughs> Ten and a half out of seventeen. There you go. I maybe go for what fourteen. Out, out of seventeen or fourteen? Yeah, out of seventeen. <laughs> Can I give it ten and three quarters? <laughs> well, there you go. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I absolutely love Tourist Trap, and was really pleased when Paul picked it. And it's a really, really good film to talk about because it's fun. Um, and I think the whole mannequin idea is brilliant and I wonder to what extent um, mannequins had really been explored in horror films I know kind of dolls and ventriloquist dummies and things like that were kind of explored but I mean I wonder I wonder is this the first kind of film to really really exploit that as as a premise for a film um, Chuck Connors is absolutely brilliant in it uh, and I can't believe that he also does Davy's voice um, he must have had some you know for, for someone who kind of taught himself how to act he's, he's phenomenal in it um, as a slasher film, I think it's definitely up there, um, and I think it is a slasher film. Um, I think people who kind of maybe try and say that it's not a slasher film, um, I don't know, are maybe taking it a bit too seriously or something like that. I, I, I think it is a slasher film. It's about teens who, for whatever reason, seek refuge in the arse end of nowhere and get picked off one by one. Um, I think very strong performances from most of the characters, or sorry, from most of the actors. Um, and a classic, you know, ambiguous ending, which could well have been the uh, studio's idea, you know, in, in, in case they wanted to get another sequel. Um, but, yeah, considering Schmiller was just out of college, 
and this is his first film. It's it's pretty phenomenal, I think. I think it's it's class. I mean, out of seventeen, I would give it. Uh, I I'd give it. A, <laughs> I, I'd give it a solid fourteen out of seventeen. Good. <laughs> Can we keep out of seventeen as well? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, yeah, unless anyone has anything else to say. Um, well, what about? Next week's choice. Are we going to decide that now? Mm-hmm. Shall we do the spiritual sequel, Mannequin? Mannequin. Let's do that. <laughs> was that no, Kim? Not... Was that Kim Cattrall? <laughs> I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is also a, it's a horrible film to watch. It's not a horror film, but it's I've, no. I don't think I've ever seen it. Films with dread. Bit in a conveyor belt where a load of mannequins are are uh, going to their doom, and, uh, <laughs> and Mannequin, the main main character, Mannequin, is uh, also one of them. But, yeah. Um, that's such it. <laughs> I think I've seen the very end. I think that's that bit. Yeah. Well, it's your turn anyway, I think. Yeah. Well, I had kind of gone through a few different films that I wanted to pick, but what is happening is we are approaching the... Um, 12th of July 2014 which marks 30 years exactly since the Video Recording Act came into place which was the culmination of the Video Nasty era so with any luck we can get the show recorded and out um, in time for it to be a bit of a Video Nasty special so as a result um, I've kind of foregone all my ideas that I had for films, and I uh, I'm going to pick Cannibal Holocaust. Okay. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the, the the most uncut version we have at the moment in the UK is the Shameless version, um, but there are scenes of animal cruelty that are cut from the from that version because it's against the law in the UK. But they're in a Dutch version. Mm. Do you think you could download? Not that I. Um, yes, you sponsor pro- any of that. Okay. Yes, you probably could. <laughs> um, there's a Dutch oh, version. Oh, you have animal cruelty fans out there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't care. It's probably a Dutch proxy for the pirate bay. Somewhere, <laughs> if you're interested yeah, yeah. in that kind of thing. Uh, there's like a pirate bay. Two, two disc special edition. Um, there's like a two disc special kind of Dutch edition that I found on uh, Amazon the odd time so I might try and get that and, and put myself through the uh, the horrendousness that is Cannibal Holocaust but <laughs> as we will find out Cannibal Holocaust is actually a very very well shot film and there are certain elements of it that are absolutely beautifully beautifully done and it also has quite a good um, kind of anthropological statement to make regarding mm. who is the real savage so it's not all it's hor- a really really good satire yeah it's not all horrendous, horrendous, you know, violence and depravity. No, but sure, we'll find out next time. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, unless anyone has, unless anyone else has anything to say, um, I guess we'll sign off. Um, so yeah, D, thanks for talking. Crazy right. P, thanks for talking. And I'm going to thank myself, Ian. Thanks for talking. <laughs> Should we dedicate this episode to Rick Mail as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we? Uh, Good thing to do. Was Rick Mail ever in a horror film? No, it doesn't matter. It's, uh, but Drop he had, had a lot of uh, influence on my uh, TV viewing anyway. And yeah. Drop and films friend. in general. So. Yeah. <laughs> sure, we'll do be clunk to the yeah. Rick Mail. To Rick Mail. To Rick Mail. Yeah. <laughs> Legendary. And yes, um, catch us next time for um, some horrendous Italian cannibalism. <laughs>